Hi, friends. Welcome to The Faithful Podcast, stories of people who walk by faith and gained a fuller understanding of the faithfulness of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Baker. Thanks so much for listening. Today, I'm chatting with my friend, Holly Bollinger. Holly is a wife. She's a mama to three teenagers, and she has a heart for adoption. She shares the beauty and the struggle of the international adoption of her two daughters. This is an interview that you're not going to want to miss. So here is my interview with Holly Bollinger. Holly, thanks so much for joining me today. I'm so glad to be interviewing you. Yeah, it's been a while. So I'm glad we can uh, have this time on podcast to to talk and catch up a little bit. Yeah, it has been a while. It's It feels weird. You know, you go through these seasons where you see people a whole lot. And we had that a couple of years ago, and it was a really awesome time. And then just hasn't really lined up that well since then. But I'm excited to connect again and you know, I know you have so many wonderful things to share just about God's faithfulness through your life and what you've seen. So I'm just excited for everybody that's listening. Yeah, me too. Yeah. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to these days. Well, do you want the long version or the short version? <laughs> uh, let's find a medium, maybe. <laughs> Okay. Um, well, I personally, I have uh, my own graphics design and photography business that I run out of the house. And um, I also run the office for the missions organization that my husband and I lead uh, here in the States. We run the United States office for um, Links International which um, the main office is actually in the UK. Mm -hmm. Um, I work for both offices, uh, but we run the USA office here. So I do that part-time. I do graphics and uh, photography part-time. And in my spare time, (laughs) I uh, homeschool our three teenagers. Man. Well, you just... Oh, oh, oh. I'm going to have to add and lead worship at our church. Uh, you just made me feel really lazy. <laughs> you feel like your days are pretty full. That's amazing. I had no idea about the. I mean, I'd seen some of the stuff about your graphic design um, endeavors. That's really awesome. That's um, yeah, yeah. When did that start up? Well, um, it kind of started in 2010, and it's mm-hmm. kind of evolved um, over the years. I've taken some time off from it. And then about two years ago, kind of dove back in full-time uh, graphics, graphic design and photography, mainly just uh, well, websites, mm-hmm. um, kind of anything, anything and everything, really. Oh, that's awesome. Are you just kind of self-taught with that stuff? Or did you yes, basically, basically out of necessity. Somebody asked me the other day um, where I learned it. My, my background, my education, my formal education is um is actually education yeah. <laughs> <laughs> elementary education mm-hmm. I, I taught school for a few years um but this was kind of self-taught through necessity basically because uh, my husband and i were youth pastors mm-hmm. and we kind of had to learn how to do design and websites and all that stuff videography and photography um so it just kind of evolved over the years and just kind of be- you know it, it was a hobby at first 
and then uh, turned into a business, which I am really grateful for because I love it. That's awesome. I've seen some of your work and it's pretty impressive stuff. You're very talented. Um, Aw, thank you. Yeah, definitely. So tell us how you came to know Jesus. Well, pretty much instantly. I grew out of up the womb. in church. <laughs> out of the womb, absolutely. <laughs> um, I spent every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night at church and a lot of days in between. Mm. Um, my dad was a youth pastor and a worship leader. Actually, he still is at almost 70 years old. Wow. He is still a youth pastor. That is a very rare thing. Yeah, he still does both. That's awesome. um, Which is very cool. And uh, so, yeah, I I grew up in the church Uh, when I was about seven. um, I uh, became a Christ follower. And when I was about 16, just felt a full call to ministry, whatever that looked like. Um, I was pretty sure that I was called to be um, some kind of pastor's wife, which lo and behold, I am. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So uh, that's kind of the, um, that's kind of the process. Um, Yeah. Anything else you want to know about that? No, no, that's awesome. Um, At 16, you felt that call. And I know you and your husband got married quite young. So you were already headed on that path to being a pastor's wife. How old were you when you got married? I was 20 and PSA, I don't recommend that. (laughs) So the older you are, the wiser you are, the better. Uh, For us, it worked out great. Um, But yeah, when we got married, he was a a youth pastor. And uh, we we were youth pastors for a few years. Y'all were just a couple uh, years older than the kids. Yeah, basically. (laughs) (laughs) You looked like one of them. Nice. Yeah. 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 And then um, we started a church um, in San Marcos, Texas. Um, We were pastors there for about 10 years before moving back to the Houston area. And um, we've just done a bunch of things since then, Um, but mainly missions. Um, So yeah, ministry has just been a a huge part of my life. yeah, out of the womb. Yeah. And I love that you guys lead worship together sometime. I don't know how often that is. I, you know, I know regularly you have and with your son playing drums too. I think that's really special. Yes. I cannot tell you how proud it makes me to, um, well, first of all, to sing alongside my husband. Mm-hmm. But now that my son is a drummer, it's just, it's one of those things that you always think is going to happen and you wish would happen. And But you never want to push on your kids, right? right. Like, oh, I, I know you're talented and you should do this. But um, no, he actually, uh, he, he wanted to learn the drums and now he's uh, he's pretty amazing and we couldn't be prouder. And that's actually what we were doing all last night was playing uh, music and leading worship together, which is just, it's really fun. That's awesome. Um, so about 10 years ago, you and your husband decided mm-hmm. you were going to um, grow your family through adoption. So tell me a little bit about what led up led you guys to make that decision um, and decide to adopt and specifically international adoption? Well, it was a long process. Uh, I'll uh, take you back a little bit. When I was 16 and felt a call to ministry, that kind of came out of um, a conversation I had with one of my doctors. And 
they basically told me that um, I probably would never be able to have children. Mm. Um, so there was a lot of a lot of crying, a lot of disappointment, a lot of heartache. Um, I loved kids, uh, wanted kids, wanted to be a mom. Um, and so there was a lot of soul searching that I had to do personally at a very young age. Mm-hmm. Um, and out of that birthed a lot of things. Uh, the Lord spoke to me very clearly about a lot of things. And one of those was, um, you know, well, if I, I couldn't be a mom biologically, then there were many, many kids in the world that needed a mom. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I already had that thought in the back of my mind. And then when I met uh, my husband, um, of course, you have that initial, you know, getting to know each other conversation. And and when you're talking about marriage, things like kids and family comes up. And I had to tell him that that was maybe not a possibility for, for us and Mm -hmm. for our family long-term. Um, and we spent a lot of time talking and praying and, um, and he was, he was completely on board. He's kind of the same. Uh, he has just this amazing personality. I don't know what it is, but kids just love him. Mm -hmm. They just love him. And so to think that we wouldn't be able to have one of our own was pretty devastating for both of us. Mm -hmm. But um, at the same time, uh, we were both on the same page about being parents. And it really didn't matter to us one way or the other, whether it was biologically or um, through adoption. Um, So we, you know, we spent um, some time talking through, praying about it, uh, fast forward a little bit, uh, four years into our marriage, we were greatly and pleasantly surprised by the fact that I was pregnant mm. and miraculously, um, no complications during pregnancy, nothing had no idea it was coming a huge, wonderful surprise. And, uh, nine months later we had, um, a baby boy named Jacob and, uh, yeah, it was incredibly exciting and um, mer- seriously miraculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it was just one of those amazing things that you just never think would happen and and then did. And so um, fast forward a couple more years, uh, we always had the adoption thought in our mind, mm-hmm. um, but it was, you know, husband, wife, kid, we were kind of the happy little three musketeer family. Right. And um, just, we were thinking about adopting. We were thinking about a second um, child, but just didn't know what that was going to look like. And a few years later, I ended up having a very, very um, devastating miscarriage. Mm. And it was incredibly hard um, emotionally, physically, um, and it was a really, really difficult time. Yeah. And we, again, had to do a lot of praying, talking, searching. And and uh, Jason and I were talking one night and we were just both kind of like, well, where is that adoption thing we've always talked about and we've mm-hmm. always planned on and we've always prayed for? Um, I think it's time to take that off the back burner and put it on the front burner. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is time... Um, if we want to grow our family, um, we feel called to this. Um, it's not just a, 
you know, we're, we're okay if we never have any other kids biologically, but this is not, this isn't just a want or a desire for our family. It was really, truly a calling. Um, And so we, we began kind of initial proceedings, processes to figure out where and um, well, and just first of all, thinking about adoption in general, it's ginormous. Mm -hmm. It's huge. There's so many questions. How do we adopt? Where do we adopt from? Do we adopt domestically? Do we adopt internationally? Do we adopt domestically through foster care? Do we adopt domestically through other things? There's just so many questions and, and what ifs hanging in the air. And so we kind of talked through it, processed it. Um, I would say that probably took a good year Mm -hmm. to kind of figure out what our plan was. Um, But along the way, we just, um, uh, you know, heard about especially girls in international countries um, who were, um, you know, in danger of aging out, Uh um, not having a place to go, landing in uh, prostitution, sex trafficking. And it really just kind of grabbed a hold of our hearts. And we were just like, if we can save even one young girl from that, um, that's what we wanted to do. And so that's kind of how international adoption uh, was birthed in us. And then um, initially our paperwork uh, was for China. Um, that was kind of during the time when a lot of people were adopting from right. China and the process just got really long. I think, I think when we built out our initial paperwork for China, the wait was seven years. Oh my gosh. So you have to start like yeah. before you're married, probably. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yes. <laughs> you want it. I mean, if you didn't want your kids to be like 16 years apart oh or gosh. something like that, yeah. Um, so we were just like, you know, we, we love that, but we don't, we don't want to wait. We don't think we were supposed to wait seven years. Mm -hmm. And so we had, we actually, during the time we had a lot of friends in our church and friends in our community that had adopted from Ukraine. And, uh, of course we were the people kind of like, oh, well, everybody that we know is adopting from Ukraine. So we're not going to adopt (laughs) from Ukraine. You know, we're definitely not called to that. Right. Um, but in actual fact, uh, we ended up being called to it. Um, there's a long backstory about how it all kind of came to fruition. Mm -hmm. Um, but basically, uh, one day I woke up almost blind. I had Mm -hmm. double vision came out of nowhere and, um, long story short, I was, uh, pretty much blind for six months. Mm-hmm. And there were, there were um, a lot of days where it was really hard to work. I couldn't drive. It was very frustrating. And we had a lot of people in our church and community praying over us. But one night, uh, one of the families that was in our church, uh, they had just uh, been hosting um, a young girl. I think she was 11 at the time. And she was from Ukraine. And, and they brought her over to the house to pray over me. And she began praying this 11-year-old girl mm. didn't know anyone, didn't speak English, maybe a few words. And she began praying over me in the sweetest little voice you've ever heard. And immediately, God just kind of went, your daughter's going to talk like that. 
Mm. And after everybody left and it was all over, um, Jason and I were talking, just kind of processing through what had just happened. And the, we were both on the same page and we both heard the same thing from the Lord, just basically saying, our daughter's going to talk like that. And from then on, we changed our paperwork from China to Ukraine. And within probably nine months, we were in country. Wow. I didn't know yeah. that part of the story at all. You didn't? No, I don't. I mean, I feel like I've heard like so much of the story. I had no idea about the blind, like going blind and, uh, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was such a random thing. I went through six months of extreme tests and blood work um, from seeing oncologists to immunologists, Mm -hmm. um, everything in between neurologists. Um, Basically, there was nothing physically wrong with my eye, with my body with anything that they could find. Um, So for us, it was just kind of like, okay, this is the beginning Mm -hmm. of adoption. Here comes the spiritual warfare. Here comes Mm -hmm. the fight. Um, And, and for us, you know, the, the, it just narrowed down for us to God literally had to blind us so he could start to show us what was next. We had to kind of start at the beginning. We had to, to be, totally and utterly dependent on him for everything, including sight Yeah. in order to see what was about to take place over the next year. Well, and 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> well, so you decided where you were going to adopt from and then mm-hmm. um, what was the process that you went through to get approved or to get you matched? Know, to be- perfectly honest I don't remember a lot of the process except for a mountain and I'm sure you remember this too a Mm -hmm. mountain of paperwork I just remember paperwork literally being all over my house Mm -hmm. um and thankfully for us and a lot of our friends had adopted um through uh Ukraine um they used they used a local lawyer um Mm -hmm. on the ground in Kiev and so we got her contact information, started the conversation, and it just kind of unfolded from there. We already had a lot of our initial paperwork done. We just had to change a few things to get the, you know, to get everything going for the Ukrainian side of things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we started our paperwork probably in October, um, and we were in country by middle of July. So it actually wasn't a very long process from mm-hmm. start to finish uh, from the Ukrainian standpoint. Um, but that's kind of the process. Uh, we went through a lot of paperwork, a lot of, you know, handprints, fingerprints, you know, right. all of those every, things that you have to do. Every single yeah. thing you could possibly be connected with. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, you know, just sent our dossier to, to Ukraine. And, and once it was approved, of course, you have to wait um, until they... Um, according to Ukraine, you can't just show up and adopt children. Um, you have to be invited into the country, mm-hmm. uh, like probably like most international adoptions. So we had to wait for the invitation. And uh, it didn't come until about end of May. And we had about two weeks to be prepared to leave. Wow. Um, but uh, yeah, that was kind of the process. Um, it was amazing because I didn't, I didn't feel like our process um, stateside was as long as some other processes I've heard. Mm-hmm. Now, on the other side, 
Yeah. It was probably longer than most. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how um, the initial paperwork and process began to get us there. So once you're overseas, what happened? Well, is this a three-hour interview? <laughs> <laughs> um, for the sake of our listeners, we'll try and shorten it a tad bit, but yeah. Right. Um, it, it's going to be really difficult for all the listeners out there. It's going to be really difficult to um, to kind of put 85 days mm. uh, in process um, uh, into a shorter amount of time, but I will try. Well, before um, before you go on, there is also a blog that is a record of this, right? Absolutely. So morelovegive.com. If yes. there is anybody that's listening <laughs> that's like, I want to know every little detail day by day or week by week or however it's laid out, go check that out, but we'll, we'll give them a little bit of the cliff notes version. Yes. We have the long version in blog. We have an <laughs> archive shorter version on the side. Mm-hmm. If you just want the highlights. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, of course I can't really tell you, um, my husband's experience through the whole thing. I can just kind of tell you from, from my point of view, um, uh, I'll kind of give you kind of beginning, middle and end. How's that? Sounds good. I like it. <laughs> All right. So, so we landed in Ukraine in the summer, July 20th, to be exact, 2010. Mm. And it was the hottest summer on record. And in European countries, most places don't have air conditioning. Mm. So after about a... We are truly hour, blessed here in America. <laughs> absolutely. Thank you, Jesus, for yeah. air conditioning, especially yeah. in Texas. Mm. Um but yeah, it was the hottest summer on record, no air conditioning. Um, a lot of the restaurants even, uh, it, they couldn't even make ice for drinks. Um, mm-hmm. it was, the country was kind of shut down mm-hmm. for the first week we were there due to the extreme heat, mm-hmm. which, you know, it's one of those things you uh, can't prepare for, right? Yeah. Like you've got, your, you've got your adoption journey, travel mm-hmm. check your luggage checklist you don't you don't think um you're gonna get there and have no air for a week mm. um so that was you know just I think it was just the Lord keeping us ever constantly humble about what we were doing and yeah. where we were in our situation um so the so the entry was a little rough um but we made it everything was fine um and uh we had an eight-year-old at the time Jacob went with us our mm-hmm. son um, he was eight. Uh, he did great on the flight. I don't think he slept one wink because mm. he was so excited about going and getting his sister or sisters or siblings at the time. We didn't know. Mm. Um, we went completely blind. So yeah. we literally had no yeah. idea who we were going to be matched with. It was literally all on faith and trusting our lawyers to advocate for us. That's that's um, different than a lot of international adoption, right? From what I understand, is, usually you're matched ahead of time. Yeah, we, we actually, we, we chose to go blind. Um, and according to Ukraine, you, you get, you basically get three appointments um, to, to get matched. And mm-hmm. if you're not matched in three appointments, you are invited to leave the country. <laughs> And you have to start the process all over again. That phrasing. So there was a lot of pressure Mm -hmm. on these first three appointments. So basically we get there. It's really hot. No air. Didn't really sleep on the plane. 
eight-year-old who hadn't slept. So the first couple of days was rough, jet lag. Uh, but then um, a few days later, we had our first appointment. And um, for some of the listeners who don't know, um, a lot of the uh, photos that we were shown were not photos that we were legally uh according to the United States and according to Ukraine, legally even allowed to adopt. Mm. Um, so that first appointment was basically a wash. It was, and it was devastating to us because we weren't expecting that either. And it, it was, um, it was kids that did not match our paperwork. Mm. And uh, we literally just had to say no. And sitting there saying no mm-hmm. <laughs> to several kids just felt awful. It just made you feel like the worst human being on the planet because Mm -hmm. here they are showing you these kids that need a home, that need families. Uh, But we had to say no because Mm -hmm. we legally weren't allowed to adopt. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was, that was, that was a rough day. And it took about a week for the second appointment to roll around. So, you know, kind of piddling around Ukraine, um, just kind of praying just not really knowing what to expect for appointment two because appointment one went did not go did not go great. Mm-hmm. Um, appointment two rolls around and they they show us um, a sibling set and a young I think she was somewhere between two and three years old and uh, we actually ended up saying yes to go and seeing the the two to three year old girl um, just because we didn't know but we were really going on a picture and a little bit of context and didn't really know much, but we felt like we owed it to our lawyer and this, this child to just go and see if it was a fit. And so we traveled about an hour away from the city. We traveled, um, I guess about an hour North and uh, we get to this orphanage and we walk in and this, this young girl, um, Beautiful, beautiful little girl, but she was basically catatonic, mm. no eye contact, didn't speak. Um, and obviously it was just something that, uh, well, number one, again, we weren't legally required or allowed to be even able to adopt. Mm-hmm. And secondly, um, it was just something that we personally couldn't take on. She had severe, severe trauma and special needs, and she actually uh, probably would have done better there in a care facility mm-hmm. than, than with us anyway. Um, so appointment two didn't go well either. Yeah. And uh, I think at that point we had been, we had been in the country for three, almost four weeks by the time our third appointment was going to roll around. In between that time, uh, we just really had no idea what to do. Um, There was a lot of conversations with our lawyer, uh, but there wasn't a lot she could do either because of the, you know, the the government. Um, But she she made a few calls for us and she called a friend of hers uh, in the eastern part of Ukraine And uh, they said that they had uh, a sibling set that were available for adoption. And then if there was a way 
that our lawyer could get um, the government to pull their paperwork for us, then there was a big possibility that uh, we would be able to go and see them and, um, and adopt them. And that's kind of all we knew. Mm-hmm. And uh, so in between our second and third appointment, uh, we, we, uh, we had that conversation. We had no idea what was going to happen. And uh, we, uh, we ended up moving apartments. We, uh, we had our fill of downtown Kiev. <laughs> it was loud. It was uh, filled with smoke. A lot of, um, a lot of things we just didn't want our eight-year-old son to be around. Mm-hmm. Uh, thankfully, um, we had met um, some people there. God kind of showed up and gave us the church community. We met some people through our blog. Um, so during that time between our second and third appointment, we actually started feeling a little more at home there in our new apartment. It was a little, it was in a different part of the city. Um, we started going uh, to an international church, mm-hmm. met a bunch of people, made some friends uh, pretty much instantly. Um, and uh, so that was, that was really great. So we had a lot of things up in the air adoption wise, but God kind of just, gave us what we needed to kind of carry us through. And, um, you know, it's just great to be able to sit and have a conversation about life, about Jesus, about kids, about church and ministry mm-hmm. um, in the middle of all of this other stuff going on. And uh, uh, one day we were uh, reading in our uh, kind of our daily Bible reading, and it was Habakkuk chapter two. And where it talks about writing the vision and uh, basically uh, it just says, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. So he may run who reads it for still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And that afternoon we kind of sat in our apartment and we were just like, you know what? We're just going to write our vision, our vision for the rest of this adoption, the vision for our family, the vision for our future. And we both just sat and and wrote for hours on the computer, on paper. And uh, we both kind of got our rough draft and read it to each other. And just the three of us just had a great conversation about just our vision for what was going to happen and what we just, what we wanted um, to see God do through us, through our family. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not kidding you. It wasn't even maybe an hour later that we checked our email. And the first thing we saw was a picture of our daughters. Mm. It was almost instant. Mm. And I mean, just going back to the verse where it just says, it will surely come, it will not delay. I mean, within the day of us reading that scripture, within hours of us writing our vision and having this conversation, God totally came through. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a picture of what would become our daughters, but we knew instantly that that they were ours. I mean, people always say, right, how do you know? How do you know if it's right? How do you know if it's... Well, I can't really answer that for anyone else because I had those same questions. But the second I saw that picture, I just knew. I just knew. And thankfully, we were able to get our third appointment. 
the lawyer was able to have their paperwork pulled up. We got our third appointment. They handed us the paperwork for those two girls and we instantly set off to meet them. Um, that is a long story in of itself. Go read the blog. <laughs> but then um, we did run into a lot of issues um, from the moment of meeting them to the moment of bringing them home. I'm not sure if you want me to go all into that. Um, but what I can say is God came through. It was a very long, drawn-out process. We ended up having to come home for a few weeks because our process stalled. Uh, we weren't even sure if we were going to come back and be able to adopt them. There was a lot of a lot of issues that came up that we weren't prepared for, that our lawyer wasn't prepared for. Um, but in the end, uh, the orphan finds the home, okay. and uh, and and we have two daughters. Yeah. <laughs> that's all I can say. I mean, that's the end of the story, right? Yeah. We, we brought home two girls. We, 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 there was a point in our adoption that we thought we were going to come home and have to start over or just be completely done. Mm -hmm. um, and then there was a point we did come home and didn't know if we were going to be able to go back. And this was after we had already seen who we had already considered our kids. Mm -hmm. Um, but then in the end, 85 days later, we landed on July 20th. We came home on October 13th. Mm. That's beautiful. Um, I, I, can, I know that that had to have been such a roller coaster for, for all of you. But I, I, I'm thinking a lot about Jacob and how he must have dealt with that as an eight-year-old trying to understand this. Um, how, what was that like for him? Well, um, he was amazing. He, yeah. other than the first couple of days with jet lag, he never got tired. He was always joyful, mm -hmm. always in a good mood. So incredibly patient, um, excited to see his sisters for the first time. I mean, I think it was a few hours later after we had, after we met them, um, he was just like, those are my sisters. And he Aww. just, he even knew in his heart, you know, that, that they were, they were his sisters and whether we came home with them or not, we were still family. Mm -hmm. And, um, we actually ended up, he, um, when he was younger, he had allergy induced asthma and being in new environments and especially in a place like Ukraine where pretty much everybody smokes. Mm -hmm. um, and um, there were lots of forest fires during that year in, in Russia. And a lot of the smoke was coming into Ukraine. And uh, basically we were surrounded by smoke. Yeah. And um, halfway through the trip, he got really sick, like to the point where um, we were fearful for something really bad happening to him. That was one of the reasons we ended up coming home. Um, he had already started school back home. I think there were, he was two days into his new school year, which we weren't too concerned about, but health-wise, he, he got really, really sick. And we just, we, uh, we kind of came to a point where we just had to say, our process is stalled out, but right now this is our child and, and he comes first. And we ended up, we ended up going home and he ended up doing, doing well and recovering. But there were a couple of days in the middle of it where his fever was really high. He wasn't sleeping well. Of course, that meant we weren't sleeping well. And, and um, 
but other than those couple of weeks, he just did amazing. He actually didn't end up um, coming back with us on the second trip. Mm-hmm. And uh, he had to stay home um, away from mom and dad at, at eight years old for about almost almost four weeks. It was about three and a half weeks. And uh, mom and dad weren't too crazy about that. But um, we knew this, this, the second journey of our trip wasn't going to be easy. And we didn't want him to miss that much school. And our process wasn't supposed to take 85 days. It was supposed mm-hmm. to take about six weeks, which is why we went, why we went in the summer. Yeah. Um, but we, we didn't end up coming home um, in time for school. So we just, we felt for him, he needed that normalcy. He had already been gone in, in a foreign country for six weeks. Right. So we, he stayed at home uh, with some friends and some family members. They all kind of took turns watching him. I think he had the time of his life. Yeah. Getting spoiled. Uh, like this big, <laughs> long sleepover, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, of course, we, you know, we Skyped every day and we talked a lot and, um, you know, that was great. Um, so we, we didn't really miss a beat with him, but, um, all in all, he, he did, he did really well. And, and we let him be a part of the process from beginning to end, even our paperwork. And we have a picture on our blog of him with this huge package of our dossier and he's the one shoving it into the, the post office box, um, just so <laughs> he could take ownership yeah. of all of it because we didn't want to do it apart from him being on board too. And, and if he wasn't on board, I don't, I don't think we would have done it. Um, but all of that to say, just the, the kid that God gave us, um, he had to have just the personality he has for this process to have even happened at all. Mm And I, I can't say enough good things about him. Um, he was just, he's a, he's an amazing big brother then and now. And um, he was a part of the journey from, from start to finish. He never wavered, not once. When, when, we, when we got home, we knew life was going to be different for him because mm-hmm. he had mom and dad to himself for eight years. Yeah. And uh, then all of a sudden he had to share mom and dad with, mm-hmm. with two you know, basic, basically strangers. Um, and he was so gracious and so loving, of course, the normal, you know, brother, sister here and there, but even now they don't fight. They don't, they don't really argue. They get along so well. God just knew exactly, um, how it was supposed to happen. And, and we even told him, we said, okay, you know, if there's ever a time you need it to just be mom and dad and you just to feel somewhat normal with all of this going on, um, feel free to ask. We will say yes. Yeah. And uh, he only asked one time ever mm. in 10 years. Wow. Uh, yeah. What was it about your your daughters that kind of struck you from the beginning? I mean, obviously you felt this kind of instant connection just with their pictures, but like personality-wise, what was it like when you first met them? Well. Obviously there's probably a communication barrier there. Absolutely. For yeah. me personally, I would say it was a little difficult. Um, of course, seeing a picture, I just, I knew in my heart, but once we actually ended up meeting them for the first time and, um, and I'm not speaking out of turn, we've had this conversation with them. They, they know they understand. Um, but initially they really didn't want to have anything to do with mom. Mm. They, they wanted, they wanted to spend a lot more time with, with dad. 
And so initially it was really, it was really a struggle for me personally to connect Mm -hmm. because there were a a lot of female presences in their life. There were caretakers and teachers and, and, and people at the orphanage that were, most of them were women. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I, I would say almost all of them were women. Yeah. And so what they were seriously needing was that father figure mm-hmm. was dad. And, and they still called me mama mm-hmm. and they called him papa, but they, they really, they really didn't want to have anything to do with me for a little while. Yeah. Um, so that was a struggle. I mean, yeah. we had a lot of conversation and, 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 and pray about it. There were, um, I think there was a whole entire day at some point where it was just kind of a day of tears. I, I kind of had to to come to terms with the fact that this wasn't what I expected. Um, but I still had to press on uh, in spite of my own personal feelings. Right. Um, so there, yeah, it was a struggle initially for me um, as a mom, as, as, as a woman, um, I just kind of thought they were going to be like, oh, mommy, you know, you're mm-hmm. here and, you know, hug your leg. And, and there was some of that, um, yeah. but it just, it just wasn't what I expected. So it, it took a while um, to kind of have that mom daughter connection. And, um, you know, and honestly, there are still days where it's a little bit of a struggle. There's that, you know, mother, son, father, daughter thing, mm-hmm. Um but uh, but ten years later, we've we've come a long way, leaps and bounds yeah. from where we were, and and personality wise, uh, our oldest daughter is a lot like me, yeah. and our youngest daughter is a lot like my husband. Yeah, and I just kind of knew that they kind of had to have those personalities yeah. to fit into the to the Bollinger household, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so there there were um, there were some difficulties along the way, uh, but all in all, um, other than you know some initial adoption transition yeah. things, um, uh, we we did we did quite well together. Yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome. I think it's um it's always really important when we talk about something like adoption. Everybody um, that's I mean, a lot of folks on the out, outside of the adoption community think, oh, that's such a great thing you did. You're such a great person for doing that, you know, like, and there's a lot of praise toward parents for doing that. And um, I mean, I, I want to praise every parent because it's hard. It's really hard um, any day. But it's not that, you know, we're anybody special for adopting. And I think that I, I I want everybody to adopt because I think it's so such an awesome thing. But I also realize that's not realistic, and I don't right. want someone to go into it with this rosy picture of what it's like. And um, I think you brought up a really good point that like sometimes there's there's attachment issues that you know maybe certain er- certain family members they just don't mesh as well with at least initially. But God God grows you together over time, and um, just like with biological kids, I mean I was the bi- biological child of my parents. And even to this day, we butt heads on stuff. And, you know, I'm, there's plenty of conflict there. Um, you have to remember that, yeah, with adopted kids, you're dealing with folks that have been through some serious trauma in some way or another. And 
you can't expect them to come out of that unscathed. And so, you know, coming in with the right perspective is super important. And um, I appreciate you being honest about that because that's, you know, I think it's, I think as an adoptive parent, I think a lot of times I want to make it look appealing to other people, but um, that's not what they need to hear. So um, yeah. No, and, and that's a huge reason why we decided to to write the blog because we wanted to share all the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were very honest, very vulnerable. Um, we shared our good days, our bad days, our we want to give up days, yeah, our miracle days. Um, it's all there because mm-hmm. we just wanted an honest picture of what it was like. And you know, kind of the you know, if I was going to give a tagline for our adoption blog, it's adoption's hard. Yeah. It is not easy. Yeah. Um, it's rewarding. It's fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing. Uh, but there's a lot of rough days in between. And um, yeah, a lot of people just don't talk about that. And so um, if you want a real, raw, honest view <laughs> of adoption, <laughs> uh, our, our blog is definitely a good place to start uh, because it's all there. That's all. Yeah. I, I, I always appreciated those kind of blogs that I would, I would read when we were on our adoption journey. And, um, I think that it's, it's like a little bit of a journal entry for folks and, um, you get to see exactly what people are going through. So, um, so I am thankful for that personally. Um, can you tell us about where maybe you found some support and encouragement during the time when you guys were going through some difficult stuff? Yeah, um, kind of in our journey, I mentioned it earlier, um, but while we were there, actually because of our blog, uh, we, we were kind of matched up with a lot of people also adopting from Ukraine, uh, two families from the United States, uh, mm-hmm. one from up north and one right here from Texas. Wow. Um, so God kind of brought people into our, into our journey. Of course, we had a ton of people um, in the States, at our church, friends, family who were, um, you know, behind us, supporting us, not just um, prayerfully, but financially. Um, you know, God just kind of gave us everything we needed. Um, but while we were there, it was just hugely important that we just have people that we could just kind of walk alongside. And um, actually, one of the ladies that we met there, she works for um, an organization called Orphan's Promise. Mm. And she has probably done more for orphan care and adopted families than anyone I've ever met. And we just wow. happen to be in the same city. And um, she became our friend and pretty much instant family member. Um, and uh, it was just great. She uh, <laughs> So crazy. The first day we met, uh, we had to be, uh, we had a meeting with our lawyer and she was like, Oh, I'll just, t- I'll take Jacob with me and we'll just, you know, I'll just take him home and we'll play. And we're like, what are we doing? We just met this person <laughs> and we're in a country and we just left our eight year old with a stranger. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, uh, you know, but God just, God just knew we needed that. And we, we just needed that, some of that normalcy and, mm-hmm. and community and fellowship. And, and because we kind of were introduced to her, um, she, she took us to church with her on Sunday. And so mm-hmm. we just got to be a part of this international church service. We went to the pastor's house after church. He happened to have two kids, our son's age. So for the first time in weeks, Jacob got to play uh, Nintendo yeah. uh, with 
kids who spoke English. And so for him, it was just like a huge, like, uh, encouragement and, you know, just kind of boosted all of our spirits right in the middle when everything was going so difficult. And, uh, we also kind of met a family from Texas, uh, that are, uh, they were adopting, um, as well. And, uh, they actually are part of our missions organization now. So we've mm. become instant friends. Um, Karen was Karen, the lady that we met from Orphan's Pro- Promise. Her name is Karen Springs. Yeah. Um, she actually was at our house for Thanksgiving a few years ago. And oh, so th- this, this journey did not just end there. I mean, these people have been in our lives. Um, another another family, uh, I think they're in, they live in Louisiana now. Um, so just several families while we were there, a church community, um, of course, we were there so long, we actually were partnered up with several church communities. At one point, Jason mm-hmm. was even asked to speak at a church, and we <laughs> led worship at a church. While we were there, we were there so long, right? Um, which is actually r- really great. Uh, go read that blog post. That's that's <laughs> funny. You show up to a church, and the piano you're supposed to play, the keyboard you're supposed to play doesn't work, or works half the time. So it's you know, going in and out while you're playing it. That was a quite <laughs> an experience. But God just kind of brought people alongside of us that that we needed at just the right time. That's that's awesome. Um, so what helps you to um, remain faithful in the hard times? Do you have any like favorite verses or any encouraging verses for you? Absolutely. Um, I already kind of shared the Habakkuk 2 one. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, that verse was hugely pivotal for us about writing the vision. Um, and uh, I would just say for anyone struggling uh, with what to do, uh, starting there, starting with writing the vision and, and just um, asking God uh, for what he sees, what you see, and just praying for, for the future and, and thanking God in advance for what he's going to do and, and just kind of claiming it ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us, Habakkuk 2 was just kind of uh, really, really important during our process, but also um, kind of midway through, um, I was reading um, in Isaiah chapter 55, and um, it's verse, uh, kind of verse 8 through 12. Um, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. And then it kind of goes on to say, um, Basically, my word be that goes out from my mouth, it shall not return to me empty. It shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. And for, for you shall go out in joy and be led forth in peace. And during a time where where uh, what I thought was going to happen didn't end up happening mm-hmm. and just trusting that God's ways were not mine and that he was going to do what he said he was going to do mm. and that he was going to accomplish the purpose for why we were there was just really significant for me personally. Um, I just felt the day I read that scripture, I just, I just instantly had a piece that, that no matter what was going to happen, that we were going to go home. Uh, peacefully and and joyously, and we did. And um, and actually, uh, it's the rest of that verse goes on to say, "The mountains and the hills before you shall break forth into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands." Um, and I can't tell you what it feels like to walk down an elevator in an airport and have about fifty to sixty of your closest friends and family clapping. Mm-hmm 
and rejoicing and singing over you and, and worshiping just, just, you know, basically look what God did. Look how amazing God is. And so that, that was an incredible verse, but also, especially for people who um, are maybe in the midst of struggle, there was a time where, you know, things were going really difficult for us. Things were really bad. And, and uh, there was a lot of discouragement too. Um, and Psalm 112, I would say is basically the biggest verse for us. Um, and uh, verse six and seven says, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid. And uh, for us, there were a lot of times where that's really all we had left was to trust God. We had all these people telling us what to do. We had to listen to conversations happening around us in a foreign language that we didn't understand. And a lot of things were out of our control. And a lot of times were uh, really devastating. And we just kind of kept going back to that verse that we're not afraid of bad news. Mm. Basically, what can anybody do to us? Because we have the Lord and, uh, and we're just going to stay firm and, and trust him. And that's really all we can do. And so we had a lot of, we had a lot of bad days, but we had a lot of good days. And, and that's kind of where we landed every single time with Psalm 112. Mm. And, um, and just, you know, the, the fact that we were in the word every single day, um, individually times as a couple, um, and even just the three of us while we were going through the adoption, um, hugely, hugely helpful. If, mm. if we didn't have that encouragement and that support, uh, just from God's word, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what we would have done. Um, so that was significant for us. So those, those three verses, I probably have a million more. Yeah. But we'll just leave. <laughs> I think three is a good number. That's a good amount. Um, a great number. <laughs> so to the listeners that may feel called to adoption, what would you like to say to them? Well, it's probably um, a two-point answer. Number one, I would say I feel that it's hugely important for the husband and the wife to be completely on board with it um, because adoption and adoption transition, just the process, it just exploits every weakness, every sinful nature, every vulnerability. Um, and there are days where it literally takes both of you or one of you completely because the other one has to tap out because there are days where it's just that difficult. It's uh, physically demanding. It's emotionally difficult. So I would say be all in. And um, number two, just be ready because it will show you the places in your heart that you have not yet given over to the Lord, even if you thought you have. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it kind of takes you to your breaking point and, and just, um, yeah. And you just need each other. You just need each other during that time because on those days where, where you got nothing left, um, 
kind of for us. It was just that, that was the way it was. It's just like, okay, I'm, I'm tapping out. I, uh, I can't do it today. Um, you take it. And, and amazingly, there were several of those days and God gave me what I needed for him that day. And God gave him what he needed for me that day. And, um, it's just important, I think as a couple, that um, both of you are on board fully. Um, you know, I mentioned before, especially if there's kids in the home that, that everybody's just okay with it and is called to it. Yeah. I think that's really good. I mean, anytime you're making a, a huge life-changing decision, it's important to be, try and be in sync as much as possible. So that's really good. Yeah, it can, I, I've seen folks, you know, that it really stretches and challenges their marriage. And it was really hard for us in a lot of ways, because we had different ideas of how the kids should respond to certain things or how, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, we saw it with different eyes. During the, the process, but after your home, oh, yeah, then have different parenting style that you didn't mm-hmm. think you had. Oh yeah. We thought we were so, so on the same page and then we realized and then all of a sudden, there days you're not on the same page. <laughs> no. Yeah, definitely. Thank God for counseling. Thank God for, uh, just, um, a commitment to marriage because yeah, there have been, yeah. it, does, it does stretch. It does stretch you. Yeah. And every way, every way, but it also, yeah, you know, stretching is good. It's, it's yeah. good for growing the marriage. So I think that's that coming out on the other side of it. Not that we're done raising kids, but, you know, feeling like, okay, we get this. It, you're right. Being on the same page is you, you can't go into this one person being all in and the other one kind of, you know, half-hearted about it. No, uh, it's key. Yeah. So um, what would you love to see churches do to help support and promote adoption? Um. Well, adoption is amazing. Mm -hmm. And it is one of those things I think that should be celebrated. Um, But I think sometimes Christians, churches, organizations, a lot of times celebrate adoption more than other things, or they celebrate other things more than adoption. Mm -hmm. Um, And so just maybe equal. Yeah. Equal support, equal celebration for um, for people who are adopting, uh, because it is a calling, and is a it is part of um, our mission and our mandate to take care of orphans. And uh, not everybody's called to the actual adoption process, but everybody is called to support and to take care of orphans. But but I think sometimes we we just tend to to think, oh, adoption is amazing and great. And it is, but uh, so is so is going on the mission field. And so is ministering across the street. And so is local missions and international missions. It's, it's, all, it's all equally important and it should all be celebrated and supported. And, um, and also just uh, not just prayerfully or, you know, encouragement, but also financially it's a huge it's a huge burden um no matter what your calling is whether it's local missions uh, international missions adoption everything takes money and um if a church or an organization gets behind 
even one family to support them financially and just take some of the burden um, off, I think that would be hugely helpful and, and greatly appreciated. Yeah. What kind of support would be considered helpful for a family that's adopted, like once the kids are, are home? Oh, that's a, <laughs> that's a, a, that's probably a, 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 there's a lot to that answer yeah. um, that I say, but, but mainly just there's going to be days where you need to be available for somebody to call you and vent and ask for prayer, cry over the phone. Um, just need to talk really just need to talk. Um, you know, husband and wife, great conversations all the time, but sometimes you need to talk to somebody that's not in your house. Um, and, uh, yeah, to just be available, I would say be available, not, not even just not even calling or supporting, just, just knowing that that person is ready to take a phone call or have a cough, coffee or conversation or, or anything just when that support is needed. Yeah. You know, um, I think being an adoptive parent, a lot of times, um, I feel like if I call friends or early on, at least if I was to call a friend and tell them about like something difficult I was going through, I don't, I don't know this is what is thought, but this is things that I've heard other people say, um, about people who adopted, like, well, nobody told you you had to adopt or why would you take this on? And I I did have people before we adopted that tried to talk us out of adoption, um, which is really sad. Uh, but I, I think the heart behind it was right. It was just, well, maybe you should tell us, or maybe you should pray for discretion for us or discernment. But, um, but yeah, I felt like I didn't have, I felt um, unable to share what I was going through because I felt there was that judgment that may or may not have even been there. But I felt mm-hmm. like I, like if you complain about it, then people are like, well, you chose to take this on yourself and you knew adoption was going to be hard and whatever. But God did but bless me. Many, but think about how many families have hard biological children. Amen. They are in the <laughs> yeah. space. And it really doesn't matter biologically or through adoption. Yeah. Parenting is difficult. Yeah. Parenting traumatized kids, mm-hmm. that's difficult too. It's a different kind of difficult. Yeah. But it, it, I think we should get past the biological or adoptive because at the end of the day, you're just a parent. Yeah. And then your kids. Mm-hmm. And every parent, no matter what they're going through, there's going to be days where they need support and they need prayer and they need a hug and they need somebody to buy them coffee and mm-hmm. to take them out of the house. Yeah. And say, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. And I know it's hard. And, and, and I've been there. Yeah. And it might not have been a biological or an adopted kid situation, but I've been a parent. I've had good days and bad days and I'm here for you. Yeah. And that's really all anybody needs. Um, so I wouldn't even, even say it's def- it's just an adoptive parent thing. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely different when you've got kids that, that are traumatized and, and, and are in need of extra help and extra support and extra encouragement. Yeah. Um, well, I will say uh, what I was going to say was that, I was really thankful for those friends who 
came alongside and said, like, we know this was a really hard step for you guys to take. And we're, you know, we're here to support you along the way. And, you know, just giving that listening ear and reminding me because, I mean, a lot of times we we overthink things and we don't, you know, Satan, that's how he works. You know, he keeps us isolated and lets us think that our problems are only, you know, they're unique to us, that no one else understands what we're going through. So having that good listening ear from a friend is super important. So yes. Holly, I've asked you a million questions and I really appreciate you, but um, is there any other encouragement that you would like to leave listeners with? Yeah. Um, I think we've touched on this probably a few times, but, um, but not everybody is called to adopt mm-hmm. and it's okay. Yeah. Not everybody's called to adopt. Not everybody's called to go overseas. Not everybody's called to be in the ministry um, as a profession. Um, We are all called to minister. We are Mm -hmm. all called to go on mission, live on mission. And we are all called to care for orphans. But adoption is a calling. Um, So I would just say, if you feel the tug to adopt, pray about it, talk to people about it, see if your husband or wife is on board and go for it. Don't let worry or being scared hold you back. But if you're not feeling called to adopt, but you're feeling the pressure to from someone or somewhere, um, it's not a calling that everybody, everyone is going to, 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 to do. Like yeah. it, it, it's not a have to. Right. Um, so I would just say definitely work it out uh, with your spouse, with your friends, with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just just um, do some research, uh, read some books, read some blogs, talk to people um, who've adopted. Um, we are more than willing to talk, like yeah. as we've seen tonight. I mean, this conversation is definitely yeah. not a short conversation. Mm-hmm. There's so much more we probably could have talked about right. um, just in the interview. Um, but for, for parents that have adopted, we're, we are happy to share our experience. Yeah. Um, but the other thing is, is all adoption experiences are different. No one story is the same. And your story, you know, Stephanie, your story is different, mm-hmm. completely different yeah. than our story. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but they're both beautiful. They're both special to us. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I would just say, uh, talk to people. Yeah. Research, read, read books. I got a good book for you too. Our friend Karen, mm-hmm. I mentioned before, I'm going to do a nice little marketing plug. Yeah. Um, she, uh, from the time we started in Ukraine 10 years ago um, till now, she has gathered a lot of conversations with adopted families over the years. And um, she's written a book called Adoption Through the Rearview Mirror. And uh, you can buy it on Amazon. Um, and uh, it's just a really great uh, picture. Um, it, it is a lot specific to Ukraine, but a lot of the underlying stories uh, about adoption and adopted kids um, all kind of go back to the same trauma, the same issues, the same pain. Um, and a lot of stories have, have some similarities. So reading other people's stories, gathering as much information like that as you can, it's helpful. 
because people are on most of the time in my experience, people are really honest and vulnerable about their story and about their situation. So having that conversation with even one family or a few families is really helpful. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and I will definitely put a link for your blog as well as this book recommendation in the show notes. Um, so yeah, Karen Springs, Karen okay. Springs. All right. We'll plug her. I'm all for a good adoption book. So, uh, yeah. but, but changing gears, um, <laughs> what, what is something that you are not very good at? Um, apparently podcast interviews. <laughs> oh no, you can't say that. No, not at all. I think you did great. Um, <laughs> um, I'm not a fan, uh, but I'm happy to be here today. Uh, I'm just, I would rather be singing on a stage rather than talking publicly. Um, so, uh, yeah, take that with a, with a grain of salt and, <laughs> and uh, sorry if I'm a little wordy or don't, don't always say things right or uh, talk too much, but um, yeah, I'm just, yeah, I'm not very good at speaking in public. Oh, I, I have to disagree on that one, but you know, oh, you're sweet. <laughs> um, you're sweet. What is one career you wish you could have? Well, two part answer. Okay. One, when I was younger, I'd have to say Disney princess. Oh, okay. I was, I was like a, the at the park or did you think you were going to no, be a princess no, in real life? Like the singing voice on the, on the, on the, on the movie. Oh, okay. All right. So like yeah. Princess Jasmine's voice. Yeah. Okay. Ariel. Yeah. Ariel. Okay. Oh, yeah. I kind of always thought that that was maybe something I was going to do, but no, um, <laughs> that's, that's kind of a fun one. Um, and a silly one. You did say silly. Yeah. You good did. for it. Uh, second part, a little more serious, is um, well, I love graphic design, um, but I would have probably loved to have put that into place and and been maybe more on the architecture, uh, house plan, drawing um, side. I would yeah. have loved to have something like that. I love houses and interior design, and and uh, when we first got our um, you know, the first little, I don't even know what it's called anymore. Apple 2E, maybe Mac computer. When okay. my dad first got home, I think I was in seventh grade and they had the, the, the drawing program on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I would come home every day after school and just draw house plans for fun. Wow. That's pretty cool. Now, now I still do that. Yeah. It's just drawing logos and, and designs and websites. So that, that's kind of interesting too, but yeah, architecture, I would have to say. That's, that's really interesting. I did not know that about you. That's cool. <laughs> and what is something that is changing your life these days? Okay, well, I'm going to have to prepare you because you're probably going to laugh, but I am getting older. Okay. Um, and I discovered the health benefits of collagen. Oh. I don't know if you've discovered this yet. Oh, I've heard people talk about it. I'm not sure I've, I've personally discovered this. <laughs> Well, I was maybe, maybe doing another little marketing plug here, but I was a skeptic, not going to lie, all the little fad things here and there. I don't usually buy into that, um, but I was reading up on it. I decided, well, just try it. And after about a week of just taking this little powder in my coffee a couple of times a day, um, I noticed my knees weren't creaking when I went up and down the stairs mm. and my joints weren't hurting as bad. And 
and my fingernails are growing and my okay. hair is a little tinier. So well, your I complexion looks gorgeous. I was, oh, y- you were saying earlier that you weren't wearing makeup. So I'm impressed. I'm you look what? great. Yeah. So I just, I just found the the benefit of collagen and, and I, I went from skeptic to believer. Okay. Um, there's a lot of other health benefits for me personally from it. So if you need something new to try, go is, for it. Is it in powder form, I guess, if you're going to put it in your coffee? Yeah, it's powder. You can melt it in your coffee. I take it at least twice a day Okay. because I drink about four cups a day anyway. So okay. that's half my coffee regimen and, and, you know, add a little, add a little health to my day when I can't okay. do other healthy and, things. And are there certain brands that are preferred or is it? Um, not at the moment. I'm trying out a few. I'll keep you posted. Okay. All right. I think I'm at places like Whole Foods and okay. you can order them on Amazon. Um, huh. Maybe just find the right one. I don't want, I don't want to say a brand name necessarily because I might not stick with it. Okay. I'm going to try. Well, try a different- I, I've had like bad knee, I had like knee surgery when I was in college and is that college? Yeah, that was in college. And, um, I don't have pain in my knees, but it does sound terrible when I go up and down stairs and I'm always looking around like, can people hear this? Like, this is so <laughs> embarrassing sounding. I sound like I'm 80 years old, but I promise you there's no pain. So maybe I just need a little collagen in my coffee. Maybe so. I mean, I, I think it's the way to go, especially okay. for us for us ladies who are getting older. But I think you're younger than me. So you have a while yet. <laughs> All of us are getting older, right? That, that's kind of the nature of life. So let's slow down that process. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, collagen, okay. for sure. Yeah. Well, Holly, I have thoroughly enjoyed talking to you today. And I'm really just excited for the encouragement this is going to be to those that are listening. So thanks for taking your time. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Holly's story is so encouraging, and I love how she and her husband stayed faithful, even as the journey was hard. Adoption is not for everyone, but I hope that you would consider praying if this is something God is calling you to, as well as looking for ways that you can support, foster, and adoptive families around you. Please head over and check out my husband, Phil Baker's podcast, Reclaiming the Faith, as well. He has an amazing interview with Phil Patillo about church discipline that we all need to hear. Thanks for listening. And if you enjoy the Faithful Podcast, it would mean the world to me if you would leave a rating and review on Apple Podcast. Reviews help people find the podcast so that it can be a blessing to them. You can find me on Instagram at Faithful Podcast or at my website, faithfulpodcast.podbean.com. Thanks so much for listening, and remember to stay faithful, friends.